Morning. Hello. Podcast episode time. Love doing the pod in the morning with the food. Rock ride here with Megan. Hi. And my coffee's still kicking in. Yeah. We had a late start to the day, and you know what? That's okay because it's Saturday. Is it? Oh, well, good. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> I, is it really a late start? Because I feel like I just keep getting up later. I think I got out of bed at like, what, 9.30 this morning? I think today was especially late for us. It's because we had so much fun last night. We did have a lot of fun last night. We're going to have to get Pat over here and do an episode. Anyway, so today's episode, I thought we could talk about Devil's Kettle and how then we watched Jennifer's body, which has it in there. And then also, we just moved to Duluth, everybody, so... So the wonderful thing about Duluth, Minnesota, is Wait, no, say say it right. Duluth, Minnesota. There you go. <laughs> um. So you know that there are pros and cons to every situation, and um. Well, that's deep. That's, yeah, that's well, too deep for pre-coffee. Cut to the chase. You and I still don't have jobs. Oh. Um. Which has been a wonderful break for me that I'm still getting used to. But it means that we've really had a lot of time to explore the neighborhood and explore what's around Duluth. So um, there's a lot of great hiking and geology, topography around here. Yeah, it's we moved to like Birds Rocks Bliss Hub. Yeah. The people are genuinely nice and there aren't a lot of them because the winters are barbaric. Yeah. I mean, I'm prepared to, like, tunnel out to the car every morning. I actually just saw a, a a weather thing on the Facebook or something. And it was this crap. And apparently our area of the country is experiencing this massive Arctic front. And it's going to be cold this week. But where we were in Spokane is experiencing, like, a summer-like heat wave. I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> of um, course. Glad we got the heck out of Dodge for that then. <laughs> right. I mean, also Duluth, we found this out from Pat. Pat, you're great. That there are straight winds that have devastated parts of the Duluth downtown. And straight winds are like... We're talking like hurricane-type force phenomena, straight winds. <laughs> But just in a half mile, and as if just an arrow of wind were just cutting through buildings, and they do cut through buildings, and everyone's cool with it. Everybody's just on the street. Oh yeah, remember those straight winds that probably decapitated a bunch of squirrels as they cut through the buildings? Yeah. Well, I mean, Spokane also had a couple windstorms. I don't know if they were similar in terms of what it actually looked like weather-wise, but... Um... Yeah, so that's a thing here. <laughs> Just more windstorms for us to look forward to. <clears throat> yeah, but we also back up to a nice little nature area. So hopefully being nestled up on the top of the hill, we could just sort of tuck away and then slowly build an igloo around our house. So in terms of Devil's Kettle... <clears throat> Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about the actual thing, and then you're going to talk about the movie thing, okay? Okay. But let's point out that as we were driving up to go on this hike, to see the fall colors, because how can you not? 
I verbalize, oh, hey, Devil's Kettle. It's kind of interesting that there's a similar town named after, named Devil's Kettle in a movie that I really love. And then we get there and it's from the movie. Like they used it. Yes. And now take it away. So yeah, quick sidebar. I always get such a kick out of how Minnesota is portrayed in movies because it's either really underplayed or really exaggerated. And the truth is always somewhere in the middle. But so Devil's Kettle is this waterfall in Cook County Minnesota, which is right next to us. And it's, would you say like an hour and a half drive? Two hour drive? It was a two and a half hour drive one way. Oh, yeah. Because we were... Because we had to go all the way past Grand Marais. Yes. And then cut over just a smidge. And Grand Marais is... I mean, you can swing a dead cat and hit a Canadian. So Yes. Which I guess you can do anyway. It's Minnesota, but... Anyway. <laughs> so we planned this hike to catch the fall colors, which are exploding across northern Minnesota. So, um, we get up to Grand Marais. You're right, we cut over a little bit. And Devil's Kettle is this waterfall that that goes into this hole in the ground, or hole in the rock. Um, and it's just this really neat-looking falls. Um, and it's, it's within Judge something Magny State Park. Um, the topography looks like a lot of dramatic waterfalls. I mean, dr- waterfalls in general are dramatic, but for example, the Palouse waterfall in Eastern Washington has a very similar look to Devil's Kettle because you can tell that over time the river is just eroding. So the waterfall is just going to continue receding back from the source of the water because it's just eroding out the bedrock. And when you get this giant chasm following that, when there's a particular large piece of the landscape that gets removed, you get a huge multiple-story fall. In the case of Palouse, I don't know how many stories, but the guy that went over it in a kayak definitely broke both arms. But lived! But definitely broke both arms. So Devil's Kettle is a dramatic... How many stories? Like five or six? It's smallish, but it just drops. Well, and it's... it's uh, you know, it's not this really huge, impressive drop like Angel Falls in Venezuela or wherever Angel Falls is. But it's yeah. it's definitely a waterfall for the Minnesota standards, you know? I mean, in a lot of states, I feel like that would be a really dramatic waterfall because it's tall. T- yeah. Tennessee has bunches of waterfalls, but you're taller than mo- most of them. Yeah. And you're kind of short just a little bit. But you could definitely take a stride over some of these waterfalls, but they're beautiful. Yeah, so it was a it was a and it totally dumps into a hole, a legitimate hole. It was a super fun hike as well and there's well, there's a boatload of wooden steps at one part, so like because the dramatic change in yes. elevation. <laughs> but my legs were not prepared for that. Neither were Zen's. Um, Zen, we took Zen with us and he had a good time and he got to frolic and swim in the river. And Yeah, anybody who's seen him in the water, it was just... Yeah. But he definitely had sore legs after that. He's really good at being a tripod dog, though. He is. He's very hoppy. Oh, he's like a... 
giant fluffy bunny. Plus, we saw that eagle, that super oh, dope baldy, yeah. was just taking its time. And then we go down to one of the lower waterfalls that had just a, it looked very, like a very deep pool, almost like a quarry swimming thing. Yeah. And it had a sign that said something about special trout fishing habitat. And I was like, man, there are some people that probably come from a ways off to stand at the top of that waterfall and catch salmon trout because they are breeding crazily in this pool. Well, and we saw really amazing fall colors. I mean, it was just, it was a beautiful day. Anyway. In the fall colors, sorry, but I feel like it's necessary to point out the fall colors got more dramatic on our drive back. Because it, we had there were two droughts in this area or in this region changing so rapidly in the winter in the summertime yes. and that's basic plant biology the leaves if they're more dehydrated they're going to shift more rapidly which is why in Missouri every once in a while we just didn't have fall everything just died and fell off like overnight that makes sense we have that in St Cloud all the time right but if it's a nice moist summer then they retain the moisture and then they they dry more slowly mm. but we are driving up. Mostly green, that's fine, but there's some really, you know, hot just colors. I mean, it's not just like a hot pink, it's an orange and a fiery mm-hmm. yellow. And then on our way back, I turned to Megan and I'm just like, dude, does it look like the entire forest is on fire now? Because it did not look like this drone. It's actually changing in front of your eyes. It's very incredible. Yes. So I I and we'll get to the the film representation of Devil's Kettle in a second, but so I pull it up on the Google, right? And it pops right up, Devil's Kettle in Cook County, Minnesota. And I guess there's this myth that's actually potentially, uh, this is unconfirmed, um, but there's this myth or idea that, so the, the water just jumps in, dumps into this giant hole. It does. And it's, it's not obvious where it comes out or if it comes out. But there's this idea that the water might go into a parallel world. That's not real. That can't be real. Okay, I'm talking about the... This is what pulls up on the on the myth and the discussion. Is it an indigenous thing? Yeah. Okay. So there's... Someone says... And these are, these are like verified local guides. Right. That are right on. Giving this information. So there's some idea that, that indigenous folks think that the water goes into a cave on one side of the river and no one knows where it comes out if it does at all. Now another person is like stream gauging proved this person's name is Haley. Kudos to Haley. Uh, Stream gauging proved that the water flows through a vertical cave and drops right back into the moon flow again. It doesn't go anywhere really. Ping pong balls get smashed to smithereens due to recirculating water before joining the mainstream though. So like there's a lot of forces going on pretty aggressive with whatever yeah okay so from a actually you know i don't know if this is geology or topography or geography but whatever science discusses the erosion of coastlines like the the bedrock along coastlines for example a similar process created those giant stones of basalt that everyone goes to see outside Astoria in Oregon, right in the estuary, because they look like little islands, so just big mounds, and they're maybe like a half mile from the shore. They're very dramatic, though. So that process is the same erosion process where you get an arch on a coast. So you have a coast that would make a really good port because it doesn't have the sandy beaches, which are the gradual 
you know, the sand gradually becomes land. No, for a port, for like big ships and all these other shipping needs, it's much better to have the ship as close to the actual port as possible, or to the actual land. So you want something that has dramatic cutoffs for like a cliff. Makes sense. So there are a lot of coastlines that have ports and bedrock chiseled down because mm-hmm. the water comes in and the force of the water and the direction of the water just cuts it away. Yeah. And it doesn't deposit a bunch of sand. So when you get that against a sheet of cliff rock, whatever the cliff rock is made of, it starts eroding it in the center of the cliff mm-hmm. instead of if you were filing it down, you would start at the end. So it erodes and erodes and erodes and slowly you get this arch that starts creeping up from the waterline and eventually the arch collapses because it can't support its own weight and then you get one side that's left a certain distance from the shore and then you get the very cut off cliff look attached to the mainland still. So I say that because there are a bunch of those islands driving up the North Shore. Yes, there are. And a lot they make really good lighthouses because water's just moving around them. It's not going to erode as dramatically as wherever the f- main force of the water is pushing against. So they kind of become these little stone islands. You get the same thing with this devil's kettle. Mm-hmm. So if it is just a dramatic vertical cave where the water is just falling down, that's just, I mean, it will eventually erode out the piece that is, for lack of a better term, the horizontal arch. And eventually it will become an open fall, an open drop. I don't know if anybody cares about this, but it's fascinating because you see the same forces creating totally different things versus the lake shoreline, which is basically an inland sea. And then you have the force of the water making this huge elevation drop. And of course, water just follows the decline of the land. Well, and I guess there's, so I'm looking on these, you know, public forums and stuff and people are having a conversation and it's like, there is a lot of mysteries surrounding what happens to the water in the meantime, because they're doing these stream gauging where it's like, we'll measure the water at the top of the stream and at the bottom of the stream. They're finding, you know, they're the same, of course, but what happens inside Devil's Kettle is still kind of mysterious. And people are like, haven't they tried, you know, throwing GPS stuff in, like all this this instrumentation? And I guess it's, they haven't really gotten any answers because it's this really powerful blender kind of inside all of that. I wouldn't pour money down a giant hole in the ground. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, people have tried to, the people have actually tried to figure out Devil's Kettle, um, which parallels the movie yeah that that movie is already fantastic and this just adds delightful layers to it so explain jennifer's body basically to us okay just final thoughts on the science behind that it's a cave anyone who's into caving will just shrug and be like we don't know what's going on under our feet but we like to go in and touch stuff yeah so that's i'm not shocked by people wanting to okay so Jennifer's body came out in, like, the 2010s, I suppose. Like, Hannah Montana was still not terrifying. Uh, And was still a thing. She was still known as Hannah Montana instead of... Oh, God. Well, Hannah Montana was still a show. Oh, it was a show! Miley Cyrus was always a person. (laughs) Oh, okay. Anyway, so it came out in that kind of generation. 
It was, it's rated R. It has some sexual content, but much more cursing than sexual content. It's a very good movie for anyone that wants to watch it, but it's also a satire. So I don't think it did very well in box offices. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Because you have to kind of watch it more than once to get all of the jokes. Because it is... It's, it's a heady movie. In yes, a weird thank way. you. Yeah. The jokes are... You have to understand the tradition of scary movies and yes. the tradition of high school movies. Yes. Because when they come together, just the things that are said are just very... It's just funny. It's a wonderful movie. You should all watch it. Okay. So, when the... When the actual plot of the film starts, the main character is describing the location of these events. And she says, we're from a town named Devil's Kettle. Don't think that's really cool. It's just named after this waterfall. And suddenly they cut to the actual waterfall of Devil's Kettle. There's some CGI involved. Well, yeah. But it's the same. Yes, I they ima- I imagine that they make the water look much more crystalline blue because no one's going to let them just dump a bunch of chemicals to make it look chlorophyll. Well, and they show this like whirlpool effect when you don't you don't see that. No, it's definitely just a big vertical hole yes. where the water goes. But in the film, they have like imaginary scientists standing next to it dumping, you know, all kinds of stuff in there and there's like this big water Whirlpool that's sucking it all down. It's very clearly CGI when you've actually seen the real waterfall. But they totally use the same waterfall. Yes, they do. Okay, I'm not going to be able to give things away because I want people to watch the movie. Okay, the main character is played by Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, it is. And the antagonist, so to speak, is Megan Fox. So, you know, the shallow part of my being is like, it's a very aesthetically pleasing movie to watch. It is. Plus, demons and stuff. And lots of really funny jokes that you kind of have to catch. It'd be like, wow, they actually said that. Good job, early 2000s. So how much of the plot can you reveal without okay. spoiling the whole thing? I did not know until we watched that film after we saw the scene. So the, the waterfall is referenced several times because... Yes. Ooh, and the so it happens in Minnesota, and then there are other really subtle jokes about Minnesota culture. Like when people start dying, there are a lot of Catholic references, and they attempt to make the grief of the parents very Minnesota while also making fun of it. So you have these very probably second generation farmers that move to a small town saying horrible things in like this really calm Minnesota sort of accent where you're just like, oh, wow, I didn't know that word could come out in that kind of an accent. Well, and just to clarify, so there is in in real life, there is no town called Devil's Kettle. No, it's just a waterfall. It's just a waterfall. It's just a pretty hike. In the movie, the town is called Devil's Kettle, which is named after the waterfall. And they don't they don't explicitly say it's in Minnesota in the beginning. However, then it cuts to this like montage of like newspaper articles and it says like Minnesota town and you're like <gasps> and so it confirms that this is actually where it's based in. And there's um I guess would you call them the bad guys? The band that does all the stuff. Oh yeah. Right. So the bad guys um They are constantly referenced as being, quote, from the city. And in Minnesota, there's, like, one big city area. We live in the second largest metropolitan area, filled with 
tornado force single singular gusts and giant ice storms. We're gonna have to make some snowshoes in the Ojibwa way, which I'm very excited to take that class at the local community college. So so they're referring to Minneapolis because the entire state has like the one big city. Or maybe they're referring to Duluth. I guess I don't know. No, a satanic band is not going to come up in this town. There are too many nice people. Oh, it's perfect. So, and min- a lot of people have been asking me about Minnesota and it's actually pretty similar to Washington in that there's a really big ideological rift between the small town folks and the city that's everywhere towns folks i know but minnesota it always seems so blue but what people don't understand is that it's a really really purple state where the rural areas are incredibly more conservative and so like the differences between the small town folk and the city folk are, are are pretty palpable and there is kind of a tension there Right, and it makes sense that if they're trying to appeal to probably a late high school, early college crowd. Actually, I have no idea who the target audience of this film is, because you have to watch it more than once. It's like Sucker Punch or The Baba Duke. You have to really watch it more than once to get a lot of it. Any hoozles. So they talk about how scientists have dumped a lot of stuff down this hole in the film, and scientists cannot determine where it comes out. And we're actually looking this stuff up, and it's all true. And then later in the film, one of the characters does find where it comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's also kind of a comment on small town everything, because it's just like along the side of the road. It's literally just like a trickling creek. And that's probably exactly what happens in the actual devil's kettle. Well, and it's... It's not that big of a deal. Nature as a symbiotic force is just sitting around watching people pour things into this hole, being like, guys, come on. Like, this, there's some cave worms in there. There's some fish. Most of it's probably going to be torn up by the force of my raging vertical waterfall. And they poke fun at this in the movie. Um, they're like, yeah, people say it goes to this other world or it's a, a realm into the undead or whatever they say. And then... Or, you know, it's just really deep. Yeah. <laughs> so. It could also just be really deep. But, I mean, maybe it has some sort of spiritual significance to indigenous folks or something. I feel like anything that is miraculous to just be physically near is probably significant to lots of folks. Yeah. But it's an excellent movie, and I think you should all watch it and then send us photos. Or, not photos. Uh, you know what? You can't send us photos, but there are some photos from this film that I would not want anyone to send me because that's just too much. Um, there's, uh... There's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of sexual content, so, like, be aware of that. I don't know about a lot. She's a succubus who eats people, but not in, like, a For very that, gratuitous way. that time period, I think they pushed some, some... You're talking about where she just, like... There's a silhouette of her ripping a guy's guts out. No, I'm literally talking about the sexual content. Oh, well, the, there's the... They push some envelopes. It gets pretty explicit at some parts. But there's no nudity. No, there's That's not. That's nice. Yeah. A lot of it is silhouette or verbal. How is this related to the waterfall? <laughs> I'm just warning people if they want to watch the movie. Oh, uh, yeah, to be responsible about it. Uh, but, it, I mean, it is, it's a commentary. It is a satire on a lot of the tropes that are in 
teen horror movies. And the main character is, she's a hero. Mm -hmm. She's totally a hero, but she's a small town female who just wants to be the content of her school yearbook photos. And instead is just, I'm going to talk without saying the F word and then go and murder some demons. It, I don't know. She's a powerful character, and because she's a powerful, intelligent female character who's also a high school student, no one takes her seriously. And then they die. Yeah, and then she takes... she. And by the end of the film, I think the Amanda Seyfried character takes advantage of that. She begins wielding the idea that she is a small-town, blonde female. How could she possibly do anything? And she just plays it hard, and then... Plays it hard and becomes like a demon killer. The um, the opening scenes and the final scenes are my favorite. Because, yeah, she's got everybody by whatever they assume about her. And she just makes it work. So Devil's Kettle is a wonderful place to go. And it, the colors were fantastic. I would like to, if I fished, I would like to go see the fish there. And I don't think I have any actual rounding out the episode comments aside from look up the things that you like about your favorite movies <laughs> because you're gonna get a lot more out of them we got a lot more out of it oh yeah and like i may have mentioned this before but the um <laughs> the, the films that reference minnesota or are set in minnesota <laughs> oh yeah like there are things that they allude to that are, like I kind of said, half true. And so, like, a great example of that is Juno, which is one of my favorite movies. I love Ellen Page. Ugh. I know. You're not a huge fan of it. Whatever. But, like, they make so many Minnesota references, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been there. I know what they're talking about. I, you know, I've seen that place. But their portrayal of, like, St. Cloud, which is where I grew up, is totally off. Okay. So... Minnesota is a genre in film. Is it quintessential Americana? Because I thought that was Kansas and Nebraska and very, not Sweet Home Alabama, but very uh, Wizard of Oz. Like, that Dust Bowl age was film Americana. But actually, a lot of these films are based in Minnesota, and I'm kind of curious as to why. Well, the, is it because the healthcare is better? The healthcare is pretty great. No, I think what I what I notice is like if you want it to be more woods like instead of like farm country, Minnesota is your place to be if you want to portray more type woods, uh, nature stuff, but also frigid cold. That's not Canada or mountains. Minnesota's your place. And also creepy little lakes. Yeah. Because we're in the land of 14,000 Oh my. Lakes. Well, yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't... Uh... The fact that you can go to a lake literally anywhere. Yes. And it's this beautiful... Chris, actually, there's probably a lot of lead and stuff and mercury and all of the things now because mm -hmm. America, but... Uh, and the steel industry and the mining range. So, because we're in the age of COVID, right... Everyone is um, trying to predict the next 2020 event. Like, have you seen this on, like, Facebook and stuff? I don't get on the interwebs except to, like, research where I want to go grocery shopping in town. Well, people are trying to poke fun at it, right? So they're like, oh, 
the the trans we miscalculated the Mayan calendar. Blah blah blah. The Transformers are coming back. Blah blah blah. Anyway, the Mayan calendar is supposed to end every five thousand years, and then life starts again. That's why it's a wheel. Right. That's besides the point. Right. Right. I'm all right. <laughs> cool. Continue. Well, the one of the recent one I've I've posted or I've seen, sorry, um, is of course there's a crystal lake. There's probably like fifteen crystal lakes in Minnesota, but I guess that's the setting or the name of the lake in uh, Friday the Thirteenth with Jason Voorhees. And I guess someone put like this life size statue of Jason Voorhees at the bottom of this crystal lake, and. This meme has gone around Facebook saying, like, it's 2020. Next thing you know, like, Jason Voorhees is going to come back to life for Halloween or something. And then it shows a picture of this statue at the bottom of Crystal Lake, Minnesota. And I'm like, someone put it there. I know, but, like, what, did they lower it down? It's it's also upright. Did yeah. they... Did they just push it over? They were just like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna hold it upright and then hope that the water force does not tip it over. Did they snorkel? Not snorkel. Did they scuba dive and then set it right? Meanwhile, a dark hand creeps out from the black shadows and then smothers them in the mud. That's a great question. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I don't want to brag or anything, but you like, do want to brag. I do want to brag. Okay. I mean. A lot of things happen in Minnesota, and Minnesotans feel very strongly about a lot of things. I mean, like cleaning the cleaning the roofs. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about George Floyd in terms of Minnesota's how Minnesota has been in the spotlight in 2020. Hey, St. Louis was really upset about Ferguson. That's a lot of people died, and things have not gotten much better. That's fine. Well, a lot of. A lot of black men have been killed by police in Minnesota. In general. Jamar Clark, Philando Castile. I feel George like Floyd. I feel like we had a conversation this morning about whether it's better to be like a black human on Earth right now or to be a whale. Because black folks have a higher likelihood of being totally murdered. Yeah. Sad. I think I decided that it was worse to be a black human because then you're aware of the fact that everyone's against you. And I know that that's Okay, so Minnesota is really conscientious about things. All I'm saying is if Jason Voorhees came back to life in the bottom of a lake, it would happen in Minnesota because it just would. And then people would talk in a very slow, very vowel-oriented tongue about, oh yeah, another person done got eaten, done, done, was eaten, Help me out here. <laughs> uh, I think they would probably just say got eaten. Oh. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, little little tidbits of, of Minnesota culture and events and places in film. It's like happy little Easter eggs that I get to pay attention to. Which is nice. I don't think I have anything else. Yeah. About Duffel's Kettle. Other than hit us up, come visit, we'll go touch it. Well, we can't touch it, it's too steep, but we can look at it. We can go play a little bit in the river up a ways. <laughs> yeah, and there's agates freaking everywhere. Yeah. The number of people we saw taking rakes to the gravel lining 
the north shore of Lake Superior to find agates was astounding. Mm-hmm. Carnelian agates in Washington are, you know, pretty prized in general, but I don't think I've ever... And I've seen giant holes that people have left in the ground. I mean, they look like they've been bulldozed through, but I don't think I've ever seen people out in the numbers that we saw just driving up to Grand Marais. Yeah, we love our Lake Superior agates. They're the name of one of the hockey teams in town. They're the Duluth Agates. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a youth league. The Agates! Uh, Fun fact, I did not know this, but as I was driving around northern Minnesota yesterday, the United States National Hockey of... Hockey... Well, help me. Hall of Fame is here. I don't know. I haven't been up 53. Anyway, trust me, it's here, but... Of course, it, why wouldn't it be? I have to get tickets. Any hoozles, we'll catch you next time. Oh, this is Bristol's birthday, so happy yeah. birthday, Bristol. You old maid. <laughs> She's married. You wouldn't be an old maid. Oh. <laughs> happy birthday, Bristol. Yeah. We love you. Okay. Catch you next time. Bye.